Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Franica. I'm Benjamin R. Harrison. Hey, Adam. I have a bit of a scandal to bring to your attention. Oh, really? And, uh, now, you are recording not from your normal spot today. It's true. So, uh, unfortunately... You're not going to be able to do much about this, but I was uh, I was sitting up here editing uh, an earlier episode in our podcast series, and I was noticing that I had Star Trek cards all over my desk, and so I decided to organize them numerically, and in so doing, I noticed that I only have odd-numbered cards. What? Yeah. I mean, I have, like, dozens of cards open now. Not a single one is an even number. That is really weird. Isn't that wild? I mean, there must be, like, the the boxes, in either an e- even box or an odd box, but kind of, wow. kind of a crazy conspiracy, right? I thought for sure that we've had duplicate cards before, though. Yeah, so I'm wondering, do you also have an odd box? And what do the... What, are the evens wow i don't i don't know that's pretty scandalous dude yeah so uh i think what it, what it means is i'm gonna have to buy us two more boxes and <laughs> pray to god that they're evens uh, otherwise so we're to... never gonna finish our set i know i was actually pretty impressed at how like evenly distributed across i have Literally the the card for the first episode and the card for the last episode, and a pretty like even distribution across the interceding episodes, but no evens. So I have like encounter at far point part one, and then no encounter at far point part two, and then I have the naked now, and that's card number three. Wow, this has got to be only interesting to us. <laughs> But that's pretty bizarre. It's weird, right? Yeah, I bought our boxes at the same time. So whatever whatever Star Trek card purveyor that I bought from fucked us, Ben. <laughs> they really fucked us. Yeah. Well, should we uh, get into this episode? Speaking of uh, fucking, <laughs> let's turn the page to season three, episode 25. Transfigurations. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Ben, this is... I think this is an all-time great opening scene. Yeah, this is a scene that opens with Worf and Geordi in 10 forward. Worf's got a pink drink. Geordi's got a blue drink. Geordi's drinking hypnotic. <laughs> yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna mack on some chicks, or at least Jordy is is gonna try to. But Worf has uh, some words of advice for Jordy that don't necessarily translate into human courtship rituals. Words come later. It is the scent that first speaks of love. We see like the 
maybe like the definingly uncomfortable Jordy talking to a woman scene. Yeah, he sees he sees his old pal Christy across the room. Don't stare. Why not? Because she'll see. Yeah, she's looking pretty fine. She's just one of her friends, and yeah. uh, she's in she's in her civvies too. Yeah. So she got a little dolled up to come to Ten Forward tonight. Uh, Jordy and Worf are in their uniforms. Worf is like, "What's the big deal? Like, you want her to know that you know that she's there. <laughs> what's the what's the problem?" Jordy's like, "You just don't understand." And in Worf's way, Worf understands completely. Like, yeah, none of his advice is weird or wrong or oddly Klingon. It's just like make your intentions known. I had to wonder, um, because Jordy has taken great exception to Worf's idea of sex in the past. Is this your idea of sex? <laughs> is Worf intentionally kind of fucking with Jordy here? Has he like laid in wait until the time was right and Jordy asked his advice on how to talk to a girl and now he's like the time has come and he is springing his trap? It's hard to tell because it seems like Worf's a little bit sincere with his advice. He's like, one piece of advice is hilarious. He's like, you must let her see the fire in your eyes. Which, <laughs> saying that to someone like Jordy is hilarious. It's like asking Picard to show Vash's manageable flake-free hair. Like, <laughs> it just can't be done. Yeah. Asking Data to show a woman his flush, uh, boyish skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what he's trying to do, I think, is is play into Jordy's strengths or at least away from his weaknesses. Like, right. Which are saying anything at all is a weakness for Jordy. So Worf is like, play up the other senses, like yeah. your eyes and, uh, <laughs> and your smell. Good advice, Worf. I feel like Jordy probably smells pretty good. Sure. I bet his, uh, I bet his visor smells like a retainer, though. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, they've never shown the uh, the like large cup of water that he puts it in at, <laughs> at his bedside. He's got to brush it every night. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Uh, but uh, Chris, about ninety so, percent of our viewership knows exactly what that smell is. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, the opposite of a two percenter, Adam. Yeah, it's true. Um. So so. Jordy does not build up the nerve to go up and and kick it to this girl, but she does, and so she comes to like get a get a refill at the bar and manages to line it up so that she comes in right alongside Jordy, which is uh you know an invitation to say hi at the very least, and Jordy totally clams up, and Worf's Worf in the scene is like, holy mackerel. <laughs> So much fun. He is so ashamed. He could not be more uncomfortable. He's showing more shame in this scene than he was when his family name is forever tarnished on the Klingon homeworld. Like, he yeah. doesn't have that much shame. Yeah. So Christy, uh, clearly a little bit disappointed that she's not going to be going back to Jordy's place tonight. Heads back to finish her hangout with her friend, and uh, Jordy gets called up by Commander Riker, and he's being ordered to go on an away mission. And he's like, 
Listen, Commander, I've been sitting here drinking with Worf all night. I'm half in the bag. I'm not going on an away mission right now. He's sort of pulling a Pulaski. Like, he's taking over the alcohol enthusiast uh, role on the show. But they beam down to this planet, and uh, it is a, uh, there's like a wreck. And it's, a, it's, it's I guess, an escape pod. And there's a guy that's kind of like pinned under some of the wreckage. And he's in pretty rough shape. And the doctor is like, listen, the only way we're going to stabilize him enough to beam him out of here is if somebody lends me their mind power. I guess she's going to do kind of like a digital autonomic mind meld with this guy where uh, somebody's somebody's like brainwaves and and breathing are going to are going to regulate the her patient's brainwaves and breathing. And so she puts like a chip on this guy, like directly on this guy's face wound. And then she puts another chip on Jordy's dome. And like a little, little puff of magic comes out of the man. And goes into Jordy. And uh, he's like momentarily overwhelmed. Yeah, because he's not in pain, right? He, he, uh, he flinches a little bit, and he's like, no, Doc, I'm cool. The only thing that they recover from this ship, other than the guy, is like one of the large-sized bottles of blue Powerade. <laughs> and there's a long, very weird scene where Captain Picard is holding this bottle of Powerade out in front of him, like his arm extended, holding it like he's waiting for somebody to take it from him. Yeah, but it's the- on the bridge, too. Yeah, the whole bridge crew is talking about this thing. They're like, oh, is it like a computer component or a memory device? Something, you know, it's clearly like part of the navigation system or something like that, you know, based on where it was relative to other broken components that we found. It's hilarious because it's in the one place and in the one person's hands that it can affect the least like, like it <laughs> yeah. should be in a lab somewhere, but instead it's in Picard's hands. Yeah, and, and and I think that I I don't know I maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but I detected that Patrick Stewart made a choice to play this for the captain is very annoyed that nobody is coming and taking this weird object away from him. Yeah, yeah, the way he holds it out in front of him, it's like uh, he's holding a check, waiting for a server to grab it. Yeah, uh, he's like, uh, listen. I told you when we sat down that we're going to a show tonight. I need you to I need you to make this happen a little bit more quickly. <laughs> so uh so yeah, the, that's like establishing the B storyline. The A storyline is the doctor uh resuscitating this this wounded alien back to health. Yeah, and he's looking pretty rough. His face is totally covered in meatloaf. His arm looks basically <laughs> severed. He's really fucked up. Yeah. And it sounds like, by all accounts, his his sync up with Jordy was instrumental in saving his life. So he's in a bio bed. Yeah. They had like a real intense bio bed for this, didn't they? Yeah. They and had like extra Barbasol like running directly into it. <laughs> yeah. They have a Barbasol Powerade mix, like a, <laughs> like a good 50-50 mix going into him. Yeah. Hey, that's that's uh that's the choice of uh, champions, right? Yeah, you get some distilled water and some antifreeze in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, and so this kind of like takes place over the course of a number of scenes, and like there's varying levels of weird spacey bandages on his face and whatnot. But eventually, uh, it, it's revealed that John Doe is looks real nice with his shirt off. There's a shot where it comes back, and he's like basically back to looking pretty normal, and he's all like oiled up and and shirtless, but he's still unconscious. Then he like grabs the doctor and she's pretty much like, all right, I got to fuck this dude. <laughs> like, she, she is in. <laughs> it, her attraction to him is so instantaneous. Like it, it happened on the planet surface. Like she yeah. was down. He was, he was a bag of meat down there. And she was like, oh, I got to find a way to save this guy. I got to show him all my wigs. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> She's like, uh, I gotta find myself a man who can do both, and one is like the normal guy, and the other looks like he's been dragged behind a motorcycle for ten miles. <laughs> uh, I feel like she's the into. doctor winds up bedding a kind of disconcerting number of her patients. Do you feel like that to you? Maybe I'm making this one episode more of her character than there actually is, but I feel like this isn't the only time she's kind of wanted to bang with uh she's definitely florence nightingaling right (laughs) i guess so i don't know the doctor gets into these like bodice rippery kind of storylines every so often yeah i don't know as she's doing her scan on him she's like well the whole reason this guy pulled through his terrible accident is because every cell in his body is mutating at the same time and it's it's fixing itself up it's not just fixing itself up, though. It's like the parts of him that weren't fucked up are changing also. And that's the angle, too. She's she's like, it's not just a matter of his body healing. It's a matter of his entire body changing. Yeah. It is a guiding principle of a dark beating face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. One other thing we should talk about is this episode seems to take place over the course of maybe like two months, which is very strange for a... TNG episode. I don't think that they are usually set on that kind of time scale because like everybody wears the same clothes all the time and so like it might be like later the same day or it might be two two weeks from now but you know like at one point Riker hops on the elevator with Jordy and Christy walks out saying this is where I get off and then she leaves and like there's no more perfect line of dialogue than than a girl saying that to Jordy as she's leaving like, yeah, well, de- you, it's definitely implied that Riker and Christy have gotten down in the past. Yeah. Uh, but Riker is really delighted by this new confidence that Jordy has. Like, like Jordy is like, yeah, I'm the man now. And and there's like all these, uh, there's all this fun and games around that. Like, you know, when he first goes and like actually talks to her in 10 forward, Data is like, completely baffled by this and Worf leans over and he's like I've been tutoring him he learns very quickly you know he he's my protege Jordy's behavior is so strange to Data that you could see it just sort of breaking him yeah yeah Data's gonna have to go reset his positronic net after this <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about this guy this John Doe guy is he has no memory right and that's a big problem because they they found his body on this planet. They sort of want to return him to owner. Right. And they don't know where to take him. 
Right. So it's kind of a mystery on that front too. Yeah, and it's this is like a real classic Jason Bourne type of memory loss trope where uh, he's lost all of his memory and then like just when it is convenient for the plot, like little scraps come back. And this happens more later in the episode, but like when he perceives danger, you know, he's like, it's like instinct, but then he's like, oh yeah, like yeah. that's a bad guy. <laughs> his Jason Bourne power is is sort of like opposite Jason Bourne because his <laughs> compulsion is to heal instead of break someone's arm yeah. into a compound fracture knot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In- like instead- uh, one of the fun scenes where you realize this is, uh, is there in, uh, there in sick bay and chief O'Brien walks in with a separated shoulder. Yeah. Uh, cause I guess he really likes going kayaking, uh, in 1986 <laughs> as his holodeck program. Yeah. Yeah, because Beverly is like separated shoulder again. Yeah, no. Chief O'Brien's like, yep. Nobody more incongruent in Six Bay than than like body glove wetsuit <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could just see like the gaff tape uh, imperfectly taped over the body glove logo. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and. Uh, and John Doe like lays hands upon him and totally Jesus's the the shoulder pain away. Yeah. And that's pretty that's pretty wild. Every like no, nobody knows what to make of that. And they don't really like look into it at all. They don't like, you know, give a rat a shoulder injury and say like, "Can you reproduce that?" <laughs> you know. They don't use the scientific method is what you're saying. Yeah. They just sort of watch in awe. Yeah. Like they they turn into medieval peasants when he starts going around healing people with his hands. They realize that that John Doe's special power is fixing broken things, <laughs> and that sort of serves to explain what he did to Jordy's mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which up until now has seemed irreparably broken. Yeah. My, my love is a So the the doctor continues to be quite taken with this man, and in fact, she has dinner with Wesley, the boy, at one point. And this is kind of his only scene of any length in this episode, I feel like. Yeah. And he basically spends it just kind of digging into her level of interest in getting down with John Doe. <laughs> like, it's, it's a really, I don't know. In a very classy way, Wes is like, you kind of want to fuck him, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in a very demure kind of way, she's like, well, I don't know. I, th- just, I just think he's cool. That's all. Yeah. And uh, he rocks a lot of nuck now that he's got this white uniform on. It is Hall of Fame nuck. <laughs> like, I feel like we've gotten quite a few guest stars rocking the nuck on this show. Yeah. And this guy... This guy is on the Mount Rushmore of Nuck. <laughs> Mount Nuckmore. <laughs> the thing about Mount Nuckmore is that it's not faces on the mountain. No, it's just uh, <laughs> Kyle Riker's groin. Uh, yeah, and and the other thing about this, it's this Kyle cast. Riker, it's Q, it's John Doe. Who's the fourth? Do we have a fourth? S- somebody from the Edo. Yeah, that's right. It is that guy from the Edo. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt. That is totally a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, oh man. 
One thing I wondered about this costume is he has been around on this ship for a couple of weeks now recovering. He was in he was in like a blue onesie before, but then he's like he's like well enough to start walking around the ship. So you have to assume that he goes over to like the replicator and goes like, "Let me get some civilian clothing." The computer shows him some options and he's like Mm, head to toe white space turtleneck, please. (laughs) (laughs) And I want it to be like pretty knuck forward. In the future, the body glove brand is taken very literally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. There's no belt line. It is just a wall of white. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just smooth as an envelope. <laughs> I, I wrote down the word Nuckapalooza in my notes, but I like Mount Nuck more so much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. I just wrote down all caps HOF Nuck as in Hall of Fame Nuck. They, uh, Cut back to the Powerade bottle storyline every so often. And one of the things that's happened with Jordy's mind working so good all of a sudden is that he's able to work out what this thing is. And he figures out that it's like, it's a star map. The way he puts it, though, is like, he's like, you know, I was thinking about this part last night. Yeah. I was lying on my super uncomfortable pillow. It was established earlier in the episode that he's been spending every night with Christy. So I was thinking that this was his thinking about baseball. (laughs) He was thinking about this Powerade bottle. But but now that he has the ring of Jesus fire, does he need to think about baseball or is he just that good? Did John Doe fix him in a super sexual manner? I mean, you have to assume, right? Was his confidence his only improvement? I guess maybe that would be true if Riker also laid hands on Jordy, but only John Doe did. So yeah, they they figure out this is a star map, and they run a trajectory on where the pod came from that they found. And it just happens to be on the path that they're already traveling on. That's convenient. It's like screenwriting 101 that is never how something is supposed to work in a in a movie or television show that is a classic moment where star trek has an opportunity to raise the stakes and they go in the opposite direction like it's a head faint toward raising the stakes at all (laughs) there are infinite possibilities of where this guy came from and the ship came from and it just so happens that they hit the lottery that right. they can just drop this guy off on their way to their final destination. Right. It's so it's it's like it completely lets the air out of that being a storyline that we have any investment in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, they... Uh, and it's so unnecessary, too. Like, yeah. what would be the harm in, in course correcting? Right. If they say, like, boy, like, the, the admirals are going to really breathe down my neck if we don't keep doing the science mission we're on or whatever the fuck they're doing (laughs) the hood's gonna beat us there if we don't step on it yeah yeah captain DeSoto is never gonna stop gloating around the admiral's club at starfleet command so they're like great we can drop this guy off on our way to to our errand 
uh, and we aren't even going to be late for it. It's yeah, going to be cool. Is, like, usually we're doing Uber X, but this is kind of like Uber Pool. And they're like, somebody tell John Doe that, that we're going to drop him off. He's going to be super stoked about it. <laughs> and John Doe is not stoked. John Doe's memories has, have been coming back uh, at a rate that's hastened to the point where he is uh, very apprehensive about returning to his home planet. Mm-hmm. He has it in his head that he has indeed fled his planet and was intending to escape when his ship crashed. And so they, they're like, well, you know, like we're, we're still super far from there. Three more weeks before we're even close. So let's, uh, let's keep thinking on it. But uh, that's the plan at the moment. So they're, they're getting closer and closer to this planet, and they discover on long-range sensors that there's a ship coming in at, like, super high warp, uh, like, like really, like, maxing out its engine. And uh, they, the ship isn't responding to hails or anything. And, and so they're, like, getting a little uneasy about this situation, but they, they keep going. And then finally, this ship comes out of warp, and it's like right on top of them. And uh, they manage to, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess the ship scans them, and then they're willing to talk. I guess, uh, yeah, because they like didn't want to talk to them unless, unless they knew that John Doe was aboard. Because they're like isolationists, right? Yeah. 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 So they're they're uh, these are an, a type of alien that call themselves Zalconians. And uh, the head guy has real, like, Francis from Pee-wee's Big Adventure vibes. <laughs> yeah. He's chewing a stick of gum that makes black goo come out of his mouth. Yeah, he has sort of a permanently furrowed brow. Yeah. Takes a bath in a huge tub with really highly realistic naval boat toys in it. So they're on their way to meet the Zalconians, and they break the news to John Doe, and John Doe is like, let me off this ship. If you don't <laughs> let me off, I'm just going to leave. And he books it out of out of Six Bay and in a very slow trot, <laughs> uh, sort of jogs his way to a shuttle bay where he begins trying to jake a shuttle pod. Yeah. He's like, he's like hitting buttons, hitting switches, yeah. trying to get this bunk bed to leave. And, uh, and Worf and a crew of Dustbusters coming to try to stop him so he's sort of on this upper level yeah he's up uh, in like up above the, the control tower level and, and beverly's uh, down below and she's trying to talk him down and Worf kind of peels off takes a little side turbo lift up to the top yeah and and uh and tries to talk him out of it he's like look man i don't want to hurt you but you got to back away from those controls like like back away now before i shoot you and john doe's like john doe kind of talks like jason bourne in this scene he's like you need to back away from me. I don't know what I'm capable of. Right. Uh, trust me on this. Like, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And what ends up happening is he wings him over the railing. And <laughs> well, he doesn't wing him over the railing. He gets like a. He, he's like part of his like body changing is that occasionally he gets like a, a glowing pulse out of his chest. Do not come any closer. I cannot control what is happening to me. And this one is like sufficient to blast Worf back, and Worf uh, Worf goes ass over tea kettle uh, onto the f- lower deck of the hangar bay, and uh, and lands right on his neck. 
This scene, I thought, was a great lesson in close-up editing because in season one, they would have cut wide to the stuntman and then they would have cut back close again uh, yeah. on Michael Dorn on the ground. And they did three rapid cuts, with that, which I thought was great. They did low angle shooting up, so you definitely know it's Michael Dorn. Yeah. They did the mid angle as Worf falls past, also Michael Dorn. And then the low angle parallel to the floor when Worf hits his neck. Yeah. It was fucking great. Like, yeah, it was, it was uh, <laughs> a show that has come a long way. In, um, oh, man. So far. Like, there's no mattress to be seen. There's no uh, frumpy stuntman. Like, <laughs> it was great. It well, was so great that you don't notice it, which, yeah. which was I mean, key. also, they only have the one stuntman that always plays Data, so... <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have looked right. It would have been it would have been pretty bad to try and make that guy look like Worf. Yeah, but yeah, it's a a, a well a well executed stunt. Yeah, and so Worf is down, and then we find out a second later that his neck is broken and he's fucking dead. <laughs> so John Doe, uh, John Doe comes down. Maybe he uses the fireman's pole to get down there, but he's down there in an instant. And after laying his hands on him, Worf wakes up. Yeah. I feel like there's another episode where Worf suffers a uh, traumatic brain injury or like a back, breaks his back or something. Do you think Beverly would have would have yelled to the sky in <laughs> Worf's honor, like to, to warn... To warn the dead that a warrior was coming? Yeah. Do you think Worf saw Stovacor? Oh man, he was like floating toward it, and he was like, yeah. "These assholes don't even know what's about to hit him because there was no Klingons around to yell." It's definitely not a white light, right? No, it's probably like red strobe lights. I don't think it's in TNG, but maybe in Deep Space Nine. I feel like they actually depict Stovokor as like a <laughs> boat. <laughs> it's like a pirate boat. <laughs> oh, that's great. I could be wrong. It seems like. It's maybe maybe that's just something I had like it's in a the fever Kid dream. Rock cruise ship. <laughs> yeah. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. So John Doe's basically more Jesus than Ginger Jesus ever was. Yeah, Ginger Jesus has uh, has left the building. John Doe is is here to stay. And this should fucking melt everyone's minds. Like they've they've seen him lay hands on Chief O'Brien and Worf. Right, fixing somebody's st- rotator cuff injury is one thing. Bringing somebody back from the dead. <laughs> I feel like it's worthy of at least a whoa. <laughs> but <laughs> but no one does anything. Yeah, they really play it cool. What's great is that uh, that they cut to the ready room. <laughs> And John Doe and Beverly and uh, Picard are in there having a little meeting. And Picard's like, dude, you would be in big trouble if Worf was actually dead. Like, the <laughs> only reason that you're, that you're not in cuffs right now is because you brought him back to life. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a weird concept. Like, yeah. he did kill him. He killed a bridge officer. Right. And it's then, not like if I go to a if I go steal somebody's car and give the get give the car back a week later. That doesn't unsteal the car. Right. <laughs> right. It's so weird. Picard's like, "Yeah, we don't really know what you are 
and you clearly don't have your memory back. Yeah. Uh, He's but... like, we have no law to fit your crime. <laughs> John Doe again is like, I'm not going over to that ship, by the way. Like, the Zalconians have said, this guy's dangerous. You're going to beam him back over to us, and we're going to execute him, because that's what he deserves. Picard talking to, uh, what's the guy's name? Sanad, Captain Sanad. Of that other ship, yeah. Yeah. Is is trying to kind of manage this situation, because the Zalconians are clearly like an isolationist race. They don't want anything to do with anybody else. He's like, you know, like, we just travel around trying to, like, get uh, get to know people and have cool hangs. And they're like, we don't want cool hangs. We don't want anything. And... <laughs> We, we just want that guy so that we can kill him. And Picard is like, all right, well, you're going to have to like kind of convince me that there's a really good reason for me to give him back to you because we're not really down with the whole like corporal punishment thing. Not only are we not down with that punishment, but like all indications are that this guy's peaceful. He just wants to put his hands on people. Yeah. And so it, it looks like it's about to come to a head when... Uh, Sunad's like you're going to give him back to us or, and then he sort of like gives an indication to his tactical officer and he basically force chokes the entire yeah. enterprise crew. Yeah. And were you, were you under the impression that this was a, a weapon that they have or do they have like mind powers also just not nearly as advanced as, as John. Does? I thought it was a weapon because of his gesture to someone else on his bridge. Yeah. I thought if it was a mind power, he would have just stayed focused on the FaceTime. Yeah. It was weird though. Like they never address what that was or like, you know, like I feel like when the Federation meets a species that has like something on that's more powerful than them like that, they're like, Oh fuck. Like we got to develop some kind of defense against this typically yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we never hear about these people again uh yeah another bottle alien yeah so so uh so everyone's down right. and choking and so we cut to six bay and john doe puts his hands on beverly wakes her up and then they go out into the corridor wake up another random crewman and then john doe puts his hands on the ship yeah and blows his gold dust all over the entire ship and that wakes everyone up here's what's weird ben so we cut back to the bridge as the bridge crew wakes up and data gets up too yeah data was down what was going on with data i don't know that was a weird that was a weird scene yeah data's uh vulnerabilities are very much at the mercy of the plot a lot of the time yeah, I feel like he's the one guy that could probably survive that. What do you think if Data, if everybody starts getting choked on the bridge and Data is is still there? Like, he's the second officer of the ship. Does he go start, like, laying out spreads of photon torpedoes and stuff? I wish we got that scene. Man, that would have been cool, right? That would have been great. Um, he's the only He's the only crewman that ship needs, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, well, anyways. So John Doe makes his way to the bridge, and Picard sort of lawyer Picard Sunad. He's like, look, uh, your weird force choke power isn't going to work on us because we've got an all-powerful person over here that we're kind of not feeling like beaming over to your ship now. 
for your corporal punishment. So what are you going to do about that? At this point, John Doe uh, begins feeling the forces of transformation even more acutely, right? Yeah. He starts spazzing out a little bit. Well, and he, and he brings Sanad over. Like, he, he, like, pulls him through the view screen, like, <laughs> like, like it's a proscenium, you know? Like he's the, the, the well girl from the Ring movie? Yeah. And uh, I never saw the movie, only the parody, the million parodies of it that we were forced to watch for, like, two and a half years, but... Oh, no. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, like he, he like raises a hand and Sinad is suddenly standing nose to nose with Picard and he's fucking, he's freaking out, you know, cause, uh, he wasn't expecting to, um, to, to, to not be on his ship and he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to aliens. Yeah. I really feel a great amount of sympathy for him in that moment. Yeah. I mean, he is a murderous meanie. And he is rocking a little bit of a uh, knuck of his own. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he um, he's like there to take John Doe home and, and he is, he's too late. So what we get is that this, this species, the Zalconians, have, had, have been aware of people that have been on the path to make this transformation for a long time. And they've been saying it's a disease and it's fatal and killing these people because they knew that it was going to make them more powerful than the leadership of their society. And they feared that power. And so uh, John Doe escaped and he's the first one of them to ever have gotten as far as he's gotten. And just then he turns into a being of pure light and or a guy in a green screen suit that they... (laughs) put a little glow effect on and post <laughs> he totally like dons charlie's green man costume from always sunny yeah like it's incredibly bad it was one of the worst effects ever it's like in post they had a chance to ramp the glow up all the way to 100 percent, and they put like a 20 percent glow on it yeah it's weird you can see his mouth move you c- inside the bodysuit you can see the wrinkles on the back of the neck yeah, he looks like a package of hot dogs. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. Like, this was an okay episode up until this moment. Yeah. it's It, uh, it doesn't it doesn't live up to the rest of the episode, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah like, uh, they've demonstrated that he's now, like, Dowd powerful, and <laughs> therefore... Uh, Mr. Doe... <laughs> I'm now aware of your presence in the universe. If you'd like to come out and hang with me in queue, we're we're planning a boys' night. We're we're thinking we'll go to the Sonic Drive-In and then perhaps catch a film at a drive-in movie theater. We're we're just really into driving right now. Being all powerful, it seems like comically ironic. Listen, if we do the drive-in thing, you're going to have to hide in the trunk because we don't want to pay full price. (laughs) I don't want to pay four fares. They always charge for my real doll in the back seat, even though I've told them over and over she's not really alive. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, the Omnipotent Club uh, has gained a member here. Yeah. So they uh, they send Sanad 
back to his <laughs> ship. They say their goodbyes to being of pure light, and he turns into like a kind of a weird fireball. And uh, the last shot is the fireball like popping up out of the lid of the ship and zipping off into space. Roll credits. Damok, Angelad, Tanaga. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. He kind of gives Beverly one of those, uh, the thing that you only see in TV and movies where he like, he uh, grazes her cheek and chin with the back of his hand. <laughs> yeah, in, totally. In, a, in, in affection. Yeah. Like, you can't do that in real life. It would have been fun if she'd been like, oh, it burns, it burns so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does sort of yeah. look like a, like a hot element on, a, on an electric stove, you know? Yeah, well, he'd immediately uh, be able to heal her if he burned her, <laughs> right. I guess. Yeah. It's unclear if... After his departure, Jordy gets to keep his powers, right? But I guess if he heals Worf and he heals uh, O'Brien, like if he left and that weren't the case, like Worf would be dead and <laughs> O'Brien would would have a re dislocated shoulder. Yeah. Like I guess I guess I I head cannon my way back yeah. into into a, that making sense now. Well, yeah, something so Jordy gets well, to keep his his. His uh, confidence, his, right? His macking on chicks ability. God. Uh, something we'll have to watch for in season four. I'm a little disappointed that this might be the end of Creeper Jordy. <laughs> he was very fun to make fun of. <laughs> yeah, well, all good things, Adam. <laughs> did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I think uh, I think you're right that it's a bit uh, dopey the way... Uh, the way they pulled the effects off at the end, but uh, it's a god. It, they just fucking kneecapped the episode with that. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, but it is ultimately kind of a bottle app, and and just you know, I don't know. Uh, do you think they knew that no one would ever remember it because <laughs> of the episode that's coming up next? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. This watched to me like a brand new episode. I didn't remember it at all. Uh, I remembered parts of it, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it did feel kind of, uh, yeah, like a storyline that hasn't stuck with me. Like, I wonder yeah. if some future date when I haven't watched the show in a while, if I come back to it, if it will feel like that again. I almost feel like it will. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, it's very plotty, but there's, like, really, like, dumb, like, I don't know, like, the plot doesn't, isn't like that meaningful ultimately like when they discover that the powerade can is is just a map that's leading them to the where they've already been headed is like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> why did you write that whole part yeah did somebody yeah, come just, up with a way to make that prop and you were like all right let's 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 write something around this and like the postscript is that no one grew as a character except for Jordy, and the only reason that he did is because he was bequeathed special powers. Yeah. No one's better except for him. It's a deus and ex machina. His, and, he, and he got better cheaply. It's a deus sex machina. It's a deus ex machina. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you like it? or? It was, I, I liked it up until the last five minutes. I'll say that. Fair enough. Adam, I think I hear something coming in over subspace. Oh, is that what you hear? Yeah, well, no. I, I'm just throwing to our Jumbotron segment. You want to listen? 
I'm recording this in a hotel room, Ben. I thought that was just the next room over. <laughs> let's let's check in on it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Uh, our first priority one message is a personal message for Megan from Carrie, and it goes like this. Benjamin and Adam, can you sing this, given the recent Warner Chapel copyright case, these lyrics <laughs> and melody are in the public domain? It also seems to ignore our very rampant and generous interpretation of the fair use doctrine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually sat through a seminar on fair use, and I think we're, like, mostly okay, but we do occasionally probably tiptoe over the line. Um... Okay, so we have to sing the birthday song, but maybe you should do it as Kevin Uxbridge and I should do it as Picosby just to make it fun. <laughs> uh, that's great. Do you have one of those uh, one of those harmonizer discs to to do that? Me 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 me. Okay, I think I'm I think I'm ready. That's really gonna clash with the uh, ice cream music that plays underneath this. <laughs> this is gonna be a mess. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rudy. Happy birthday to you. I hope you live forever. <laughs> happy birthday, Megan. Yeah, happy birthday, Megan. That's from Carrie. There's no way that that infringes on anyone's copyright or anyone's sense of good taste. Yeah, it was just uh, that was good, clean fun. Our next Jumbotron message is from Gonzo and Ben, and it is to Gordon. Um, message is this. It says, thank you and your son James for being the Captain Picard and Wesley Crusher, the boy, to our Jordy and Tata these last years. May your memes be dank, may your Shimodas be drunk, and may your nacelles ever propel you at maximum warp. May your tea always be Earl and Grey and also hot. Oh, Captain, our Captain, make it so and engage. <laughs> what a nice toast at the end. Yeah, I, I, uh... I'm inclined to steal that. Yeah, I, that, that, there was something inscrutable about that. I don't quite know what the relationship is between all these people, but it, it was very sweet and heartfelt. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Uh, it was much easier to do that than sing uh, as Picosby too. <laughs> yeah, let's never do that again. <laughs> I think I, I think we're if if we're in for a, a penny, we're in for a dollar. Yep, yep. That's how that saying goes, right? Well, if I you'd like to contribute a penny or a dollar uh, <laughs> to the uh, Jumbotron Fund. Uh, you can only in contribute in $100 increments if you're a sending a personal message or $200 increments if you're sending a commercial message. But all dollars are appreciated because it helps keep the lights on around here. So just go to MaximumFund.org slash Jumbotron to secure your message. And uh, this is getting popular. Like, I'm looking at our little chart, and we're, we are all set for the next uh, couple episodes. I feel like our Jumbotrons might also be dank. <laughs> as dank as them memes. Yeah. Pretty cool. Fun. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? 
Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did find myself a drunk Shimoda, and my Shimoda in this episode is Worf. The Shimoda is, uh, is the character that's doing something real silly and fun, and the biggest laugh line of this episode for me was uh, when Worf like, leans over to Data and 10 forward and, and says that he's been, he's been mentoring Geordi <laughs> on the ways of talking to women. Uh, take kind of essentially taking credit for Jordy getting that date. <laughs> like, oh man, it, it just it made me laugh because I was immediately forced to consider: Does Worf actually believe that, or is that just something he's telling Data? Like, I love the idea that Worf is like, "Wow, like those couple of times I told Jordy some stuff to try when he talks to girls, really paid off." Nice going, me. <laughs> the entire concept that anyone would tell Data anything to impress him. I know. I think is hilarious, too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how about yourself? Do you have a drunk Shimoda? Yeah, mine was also Worf. And I think I just really enjoyed his nonverbal or Michael Dorn's nonverbal acting yeah. in so many of these scenes. Like the, how frustrated he was in 10 forward while everyone's talking shop and Worf just wants to sit and drink. Like, <laughs> yeah. I I think my wife goes through this all the time. Like when I, when we go out with my wife <laughs> and we're talking about film and video stuff. Yeah. She's like, "Shop talk." <laughs> and that normally Less like talking, ends our more drinking. I think that's a direct quote of from your wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think we've all felt that way a time or two and Worf's embodiment of that was familiar and good and fun. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. You sound tired, Ben. A, what time is it over there? Uh, it is past my bedtime over here. Oh, man. Well, what do we have coming up on the next episode? Next episode is season three, episode 26, The Best of Both Worlds, part one. The evil oh. Borg capture Captain Picard in an attempt to conquer the human race. Do you remember this episode, Adam? That sounds pretty fun. I remember the Borgs. Yeah, the Borgs. They're back. He's a Borg. Oh, no. The Borgs are back in town. The Borgs are back in town. <laughs> yeah, well, unvetoable because uh, this season doesn't have any vetoes left, so... I don't think this is one we would veto, right? Yeah. This is a pretty important one. I don't one. think so. It's a it's a foundational episode. Yeah. Which means the pressure's really on, isn't it? It sure is. Uh, Got to get this one right. <laughs> Can't afford to fuck this one up. Uh, we're going to have to bring in Picasby. We're going to have to bring in Uxbridge. We're going to have to bring in this old Enterprise. Every warmed over piece of shit joke that we do on every episode is coming back <laughs> gotta play the hits man yeah. gotta play the hits yeah and then uh when we when we talk about the actual plot points it's like we're gonna do one from our new album and uh everybody's like oh <laughs> this will be out in <laughs> this will be out in december guys that new impression sucks. <laughs> yeah. Everyone goes out to get a beer yeah. during the new impression. <laughs> well, if our viewers are as, as excited about that episode as we are, uh, maybe they'll be excited enough to support our show 
by going to maximumfun.org/donate. Yeah. Where they can they can help this show's production. Uh, they can also leave a nice review where they download podcasts. Those are also really helpful as well. Uh, and they can also reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. There is also a Facebook group that you can join and a Reddit sub that you can join. There's also the Maximum Fun subreddit. Um, all great places to post about the show and debate all of the different jokes that we did not make. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's like the like one of the main comments is, why didn't you talk about blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's why I set up that rule, that mute rule that that is, uh, <laughs> why didn't you? <laughs> so far, it's working great. Is it? Yeah. That's great. That's good to hear. Love it. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea, the goose, for our priority one music. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that's been turned into a hegemonizing swarm. Both of my worlds are the best. <laughs> They're just the greatest world. You have to believe me. <laughs> we're going to turn Captain Picard into a Borg and we're going to make him pay for it. <laughs> Lots of times you'll only find one world that's the best. I'm telling you, I have the best of both worlds. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> the, the Borgs are criminals. They're rapists. And I'm sure some of them are good people. <laughs> the Trump Tower Grill makes the best Borg bowls. <laughs> Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.